It's good to be in His house. I just want to say one last prayer here. Lord, we love You. I thank You, Lord, that You're so merciful to us. And Your grace can never be measured, Lord. In fact, I don't even think, Lord, and this is odd to say because you're God, I don't think that even you can measure your grace. It's so big. It's so far, Lord, you don't even have a measurement. It's not in your mind. There's nothing that exists to even try to put your grace into a way that we could possibly understand. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us your son. Something that we just don't get, Lord, and and we will never will on this side, Lord, but we're thankful that you put him in our place, Lord, on that cross. And I thank you, Lord, that you gave us life. I thank you, Lord, that you have a path for each and every person. Lord, not just in this room, but on this earth, Lord. And as we choose to follow you and choose to listen and walk in the steps of the path that you ordained for us, I thank you that you are there for every single step. Soften us, Lord, and help us to see that you've never left us, that you're right there beside us, right here, right now in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. I was meditating with the Lord this week and I want to get right into what he said. He said, it doesn't matter how you lost your fire or how your passion has waned. And it may not be your fault, but we need to get our zeal back. The Lord really pricked my heart this week with this. And I just want to tell you something just very, very honestly that, and I mean this, this is not a show that I'm preaching to myself today. We all, together, we need the fire of God back on the altar. We need to burn for Him. You know, it's so easy to be a mediocre, lukewarm Christian. You don't have to try at all for that to happen. (laughs) That comes very easy. It takes everything in you in response to everything that he's done, okay? Without the cross, without Christ, without his blood, without the Holy Spirit, doesn't matter what you do, it's a response. But Jesus gave his all to you. He didn't spare any of himself, And when we give ourselves partially back, even though his all is there, it's limited in your life because his all is completely and totally 100% reliant upon your all. Now, who knows and who has walked in it? When you give him your all, life doesn't mean it's easy, but let's just say like the word says, it's good may even be the hardest times you've ever faced, but the times you gave your all, it was good. You just knew that God was with you. In fact, you had everything in this world coming against you, but God was with you. You knew that he was beside you, and you felt his presence. You heard a word here and a word there that will encourage you. It just came, didn't it, because you gave your all. 
And as I said, I'm going to preach this to myself too, but I was pricked by the Lord's heart. It's time to get our fire back. I want to share just a few things with you. I want to try to make it make sense. So, Holy Spirit, help me, because I have a, a lot of different angles from this. But, you know, the Bible shows us, shows us here in Acts. It says in Acts chapter 1 that the disciples were waiting. The Lord told them to wait, if I can find it here in my notes. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 14 that they all, I want you to read this out loud, they all met together, What's that word say? United. Constantly, consistently, united. And what's this other word that is hard to find from our lips sometimes? In prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women and the brothers of Jesus, they were constantly together and it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 that on the day of Pentecost all the believers were meeting together in one place and this verse is signifying what they were already doing in chapter 1 they were not watching Netflix together and that's fine we need to be a family and I love that we hang we open the kitchen and we have fellowship for hours here on Sundays and on Tuesdays. But they were together in prayer, together in one spirit, passionately seeking for Jesus Christ who had left the earth physically to come down inside of them in the spirit. And it says, verse 2, that suddenly... There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind, right? Come on, we know these verses. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. I really believe that just this morning it was a small glimpse, but who felt God's wind just in that little time of worship? Look, God just gave us a taste of what we need today. I was crying out to him this week, and, and I'm going to get into this and, and, and writing this sermon and looking at his verses that talk about this idea that our need for his spirit burning within us. And it's <laughs> such an odd thing that you're walking with God and, and you don't notice that your heart is not passionately in love with him. You're still even reading. You're still even praying. You're still even gathering together with the believers, but there's just that little, man, it's just like one degree off. You're not passionate about him. And it's like, you can't even necessarily make yourself passionate. You have to, you have to get before him and ask him to do it. 
But I believe that he just pricked us today during worship and just showed us that that's the answer. Did, did, am I the only one that felt a difference here today? That was unbelievable. The Holy Spirit moving here. He's going to do more, isn't he? Come on, let's say amen to that. He's going to do more. That's what we need. God doesn't need our social clubs, although the world, you know, that's a great way to reach them. But we don't just want to reach them and then be them. Let's reach them through the social things, through the fellowship things, through the groups, whatever the groups are. Let's reach them through these, these ideas that God has inspired, but that's not where it's supposed to end. They need a touch of the Holy Spirit. Because without it, it's just dry. It just becomes religion. It's just the club. And eventually, it's just any other club, but we call it a Christian club. But it says that in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, that the Holy Spirit came and He filled the house where they were sitting. In verse 3, then what looks like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. God's fire came down and filled that house. Who knows that those apostles were never the same. When the Holy Spirit touches you, you're never the same. You know, God is fire. That's what He is. He said, I'm an all-consuming fire. That's who He is. And in fact, when we see Jesus Christ, it says that He's, I mean, even His eyes are burning fire in His glorified body. He put Himself in a, through Mary into a human body so that we could stand around him, but if you were near his glorified body, that your human flesh wouldn't be able to take it. It's so holy. The Lord pricked me. That's the fire we need. And, and, and Paul, he writes his spiritual son, Timothy. We know these verses, but he told Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, It says in, just picking out, I just don't want to say, get too deep and say too many things, so I'm just trying to cut here. He's basically, in chapter 4, he's telling them to stay close to, you know, the, the things I've told you and listen to the teaching that I gave you. And, and he said in verse 13, focus on reading of Scripture to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. And he says in verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift. What spiritual gift is he referring to? Yes, Timothy was a pastor, a, a teacher, but the gift that he's referring to, I don't believe was his role as a pastor. I believe the gift that he's talking about was the same gift that came and fell upon the apostles in the upper room. The Holy Spirit filled them with fire, and that's what enabled them to do that. Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the fire of God, because you can't go out into the city without it. Later on, right, we have Simon the sorcerer who says, I'm not willing to sacrifice. I'm not willing to pay the price. I don't want to pray. I don't want to fast. Just give me the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I pay you for it? 
Don't think that we're not saying the same things to the Lord in other words sometimes. I don't want to pay the price. I just want your goodies. Just want your presence. Presence with S-E-N-T-S, not presence. Well, that's a sermon. Presence versus presence. But the S-E-N-T-S comes with his presence, doesn't it? That's the only way to get his presence is with his presence. But he said, do not neglect. Now, why would Paul write this to Timothy? Why do we warn our children? Why do we warn each other? Why does Jesus warn us? Told Timothy the potential for you neglecting that gift is there. That's what he's saying without saying it. If he's saying do not neglect, that means that you might be neglecting now or maybe not yet, but it may try to come in your life that the enemy would try to get you to neglect the gift in you. He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. In verse 15, give your complete attention to these matters. The New King James, verse 15 says, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. It continues in the NLT, it says, give your complete attention and it says, throw yourself into your task. Throw yourself. I mean, it's got to be your all. Don't give partly because the enemy will try. If you give partly, very quickly, you're going to get lukewarm. You got to throw it all in. In verse 16, he says, keep a close watch. Come on, everybody, I want you to say it out loud. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Why? Did he warn him of this? Because if you're not careful, who has seen some odd teachings come through the church in your lifetime? This is not one of them. This is the scripture. It's just that I'm just reading the Bible to you. We've seen some twisting and some things come and, and, and go in the church, haven't we? That has pulled people away. He said, stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation. Look at what it says. For the sake of your own salvation. So you mean, pastor, that my salvation is something that, I, that is in question? A lot of people don't like when we talk about those things, what the Bible says. Keeping watch is even to protect my salvation. You can't touch my salvation. My salvation is secure. Well, then why did Paul write this to Timothy? We need our all and his all. God is not interested in partial. Sorry, guys. And I'm preaching to myself too. Like I've done before, I'm just going to sit on the front row and preach the rest. I'm listening, Lord. It's a heart thing. It's not a works thing. Works come out of the heart, right? You end up doing things out of the heart that's in you. It's a heart thing. And what's that say? The salvation of those who hear you. Keep watch. You need to, it's a diligent thing. 
The fire of God is something that you need to be diligent. The gift of God within you is something that has to be constantly connected. You have to be, I don't even have the words for it. You need to be letting that thing work in you, firstly, because your own salvation's at stake. Why? Because once you get lukewarm, what's the next step? <laughs> cold comes quick, doesn't it? Because technically lukewarm is cold. I mean, it, it's funny. They had to pull a tooth out of my mouth and it jammed all together and we had no choice. They had to pull this thing out, which was uncomfortable. <laughs> but I can't have anything hot for a little while. Yeah. It might as well be cold. Because if it's not hot, it's just not tasteful to me. <laughs> it comes quickly, doesn't it? So for your sake, and why is it for the, those around you? Listen, it's not a judgment thing. But I want you just to look at your neighbors. Look to your right and look to your left, just for a moment. See all these people in here? Friends and family. Now listen. We're brothers and sisters, so let's be more honest than just a big group in a club. We're brothers and sisters. Who knows if brothers and sisters are very honest with each other? Even, let's use the word, brutally honest. Like, when are you going to shave that beard? Uh, I don't understand the question. When are you going to grow one? Okay, so brutally honest. You ready? I want you to look to your right. And I want you to say, I can tell. You ready? I want you to say it out loud. I can tell, I can tell. when your fire's dim. I want you to look to the left. Come on. Yeah. I can tell when your fire's dim. Don't think you're hiding it. And it's not just your brothers and sisters. It's the world around you. We were talking about light two weeks ago. And Jeannie, Pastor Jeannie, was talking about salt last week. We're the light to the world and the salt to the world. When we're not bright, when we're not salty, the world notices. Jesus said, what good is the salt if it's, not, if it's lost its saltiness? They don't even, it's about as good as pavement. I want you just to look for a moment what he continues to say to Timothy. He writes Timothy another letter. Well, firstly, actually, in chapter 6, he finishes his letter telling Timothy this. He said, Timothy, in verse 11, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, he says, Timothy, you're a man of God. I love how the NLT says this. I want you just to say out loud, say, I'm, and you can choose your sex, I'm a man of God. So run from all these evil things. He's warning Timothy at the end because people have gotten distracted and they got into all different things. And he's writing Timothy, listen, you need to hold on to the Spirit of God inside you. You need to, you need to hold on to that thing. 
And listen, I need to remind you of something. You're a man or woman of God. You've been separated from the world. Run from the evil. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, and along with it, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And he says in verse 12, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly. He's warning his spiritual son that you need to fight for that thing that you call your salvation. This thing that you signed up for, this thing that you linked with Christ, it is a fight. It's only a fight because everything else around you is opposing you. It's no different than when Jesus walked on the earth. Even his own brothers and sisters said to him, who is this? Even his own brothers and sisters, even his own people. Remember, the Romans did not put Jesus on the cross. Who put Jesus on the cross? They just facilitated it. You can't blame them. His own people did. Everything around you is opposing the pure Spirit of God. And the purer you are, and this is a shock, and Jesus warned us of this. John the Baptist had discovered, he had come into a revelation of God, the baptism. There was a total revelation. They went out to see him. What is this? What are you doing? Baptizing with water. But he was an outcast. He was outside. The closer you get to him, the, the purer your faith grows, even, even, even believers will oppose you. And that's why you need to hold on. You need to, de- you need to decide right here, right now, that I've decided I'm a man or woman of God and, and I'm linking with the Spirit of God who's giving me the power. It's not my power, but I'm cultivating my heart and I'm pushing out all the other stuff and I'm giving my all and I'm holding tightly to the eternal life. Hold tightly. Why do I need to hold tightly to something that the Lord has secured for me? Because the Lord has secured it as long as you stay with it. Everything in the gospel from the very beginning, and I want you to look at some verses in a moment. The very beginning of the Bible is, as I said some weeks ago, I talked about that word koinonia. It's the participation, it's the partnership of God and man. And where the two meet is where we find salvation, we find eternal life, we find hope, life, peace, joy, and the fruit of the Spirit. My iPad keeps closing on me. Of course it does. That's the fight. And he tells him in verse 21 of chapter 6, some people have wandered from the faith. You mean that's possible, pastor? He tells him in verse 14, obey this command without wavering. He tells him don't waver. Verse 20, He tells Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. In verse 21, because some have wandered by following foolishness. 
And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he writes him another letter. And he tells him in verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. I remember, Timothy, you had faith for God. I remember. And you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Verse 6, this is why I remind you to fan. I want you to say out loud, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. The New King James says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Well, this word stir up, this word fan into flames is actually the word rekindle. How do you rekindle? Has anybody ever lit a fire before? Not with gas, not with propane. Well, maybe you've seen someone do it. And when you have a bed of coals, Annie went camping with us. She did it really well. She got a big plate, something to create some oxygen, get some air flowing, and we put some, some new wood on top of the red coals, and you get that oxygen. Man, you got to get some air flowing fast to get those coals super hot to ignite the new. And you can get a flame going again, can't you? from a red coal, even though the fire looks like it's out. The fire may look like it's out, but it's not out, is it? Even when you think it's out in you, the fact that you're here today is because there's still a coal inside you. It may have, the flame may be gone, the flame might be dim, might be low, but there's something inside you and the Lord is calling you today as He's calling me. He's calling all of us. As He told Timothy, as Paul told him by the Spirit of God, Timothy, I'm reminding you to rekindle that thing in you. God did something in you. God did something for you. And today's your day, man. You've got a job to do. Timothy was, we all have jobs to do. I may be standing in this position with this microphone, but you are a pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist to somebody, somewhere, in some group. All of us. You have a sphere of influence around you, outside of these walls. All of you. Even if you don't think you have people listening to you, they're looking. I've talked about this before. As soon as people find out that you're a Christian... They don't say anything for a long time, but then as soon as you do something wrong, I thought you were a Christian. So they were watching you all along. The whole time they were watching you. You, don't, you didn't maybe think it, and they seemed real hard towards you. And they're cynical, you know, the flesh nature in them, obviously Satan in them. I know that's harsh, but that's what it is. Satan in them bring an accusation. It's not going to stick. But that's actually what's happening. But that proves that it's irritating the devil in them. It says in the Amplified, verse 6 says, it says, that is why I remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, 
and keep burning the gracious gift of God, which is what? I love the Amplified gives us an interpretation of that gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Timothy, God came upon you. And you need to keep that thing burning. It's not, won't you say out loud, it's not automatic. I wish it was. I need you to know that Jesus loves you. He will never fail you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. He will not. His love, it will go and find you. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 if I have to, and I'll go and find you in the pit of hell and drag you back. But as I say many times, and I'm going to say it again, it's the Spirit of the Lord. He will not make you come with Him. I wish He did. Sometimes I wish the Lord would be a little more forceful with me. Just make me. I, just drag me. The Lord's like, I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm right here. And here's my plan. Here's my path. Here's my purpose for you. If you want it, it's yours. And, and I'll clear the way. Don't worry about the devil. He's got some obstacles in the way. And he's got some trials he's going to try to put in front of you. But I'll get you through them. If you want it, here's a path straight through the cross, straight to eternity. says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, in the NLT it says, hold on to the pattern. you got to hold on to the pattern. Pastor, you sound awfully religious. Patterns? I thought we're free from that. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. So wait a second. The pattern was shaped by Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And in verse 15, he says something very sad. He says, as you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. What is Paul telling Timothy? He says, listen, I'm warning you to hold on. It's no, it's no coincidence that verse 15 is right there, right after he tells him to stir it up, fan it into flames, stay active. You need to be active about that thing that God did in you. You need to be reactive to what he's trying to do in you because there are people who have deserted the faith. It does happen. The warning is if you don't stay if you don't stay close to the Lord and just keep, keep checking your heart. I mean, the Lord is not offended by you repenting a thousand times in a day. He is never going to look at you and say, that's too many times, you don't need to do that. Every time, Lord, forgive me, I need, I'm coming back. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for this. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. The Lord is never going to say, I've heard enough. His love and His grace, that's right. And when you understand that, that His love and grace is working every time that you repent before Him, you just want to do it more. 
When you get angry and you're in the car, what we all do, and you want to drive that person off the road for something silly, but the anger rises in you. Forgive me, Lord. I pray for that person. That's hard to do. I'm not saying that's easy. But just quickly, I want to just show you something real, real quick that we see that the fire of God came upon the disciples. It came upon Timothy and Paul tells him to keep it burning. And I want to show you why very quickly is I'll just run through some things as we work into my closing. We go all the way back in the Bible, all the way to the very beginning. We have Genesis. God creates the world. He creates Adam and Eve. And, and he brings them, into the, puts them in the garden and gives them a wonderful, amazing life. And, and as we know the story, they mess it up. They come out of the garden, and they're out in the world now. I mean, we're only in Genesis chapter 4. The Bible has just begun. It's a, who knows? The Bible's a big book. <laughs> I said that with a little southern twang, because that's like, the Bible's a big book. <laughs> you need to say it like that, southern preacher, because this, and we're only at Genesis 4. I mean, they just came out, and it says, Adam and Eve, they have a son, give birth to Cain. Verse 2, they give birth to Abel. It says, when they grew up, verse 2, Abel became a shepherd, and while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Who knows the Lord doesn't leave you there, does he? Well, the Lord checks you. I love this next verse. The Lord actually used this specific verse to me in a dream one time. Literally this verse. Why are you so angry, verse 6, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Verse 7, you will be accepted if you do what is right. It's very simple. We're only in chapter 4. The Bible's just beginning. It's simple. I have a way that's right, and there's a way that's not right. It might even look close to being right, because... Cain brought an offering to God. Cain brought something to God because it says he did. He brought some of his crops. But Abel gave the best portions. He gave the best to God. And he said, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. This is what the Lord said to me in a dream. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. The same exact thing, Genesis chapter 4, whole bunch of time. We got thousands of years. All the way over here into Timothy's telling him the same thing. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but... 
Come on, who loves the butts in the Bible? Who loves butts in the Bible? But you must subdue it and be its master. If the Lord told Cain this, does that mean it was an impossible feat? Because why would the Lord tell Cain to do something that he couldn't do? Cain, your brother, gave me an acceptable offering that you can do the same exact thing and I'm going to accept your offering just as much as I accepted his. But, chapter, but verse 8 says, One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Paul said, some have wandered from the faith. Some didn't listen to the Lord. Some, the Lord said, I gave you life, brought you into this world. I gave you everything. We try to follow him partially. We try to just get by. Don't tell me this won't happen. So the Bible tells us, if you do it partially, it's just a matter of time before you completely fall away. I love that the Lord loves us, don't you? You know, if the Lord didn't care about us, He wouldn't tell us to do anything ever. When you tell your children to do something, is it because you're overbearing? It's the words that they're thinking about you. It's your rules. It's all the things are also that they're thinking. Or is it because you love them and you care for their well-being? You care for the life that they're going to grow into. You're thinking about, that's the thing. Things I'm trying to teach my sons now aren't necessarily that important today, but they're going to be important when they're 30. And it starts right now. And they're like, I don't get this. Why does this matter right now? Why does it matter if I'm lazy right now? Well, I mean, that's what, whatever. Because if you don't start to just, I'm not even asking you to work 90 hours a week, but if you don't start to curb that now, right? Who knows some people that never got over it? That's what the Lord's speaking to us today. Just reminding us of his love. It's reminding us there's an offering that he's looking for, and we'll get more into this in the next week. It's an offering that he's looking for, and it's all. I just want you to say out loud, all. all. The Lord is not happy with your offering, and you can call this harsh, or I'll just call it truth. I'd rather him tell me the truth. He came and told Cain, don't get upset. I love that. That's what the Lord was speaking to me some time ago, and he's speaking it again. Don't get upset. I'm not rejecting you eternally. I'm just telling you that I'm looking and I'm not pleased with where you're at right now. But don't stay there. You have, I'll give you everything. I'll be pleased with you. Just do what I've asked you to do. So we don't want to be dejected. We're not going to be down. Let's look at our hearts. Let's look and see if the coals aren't burning bright if the flame is not burning bright, we don't need to get upset by that. Let's just do what Timothy was told. Start getting those coals burning again. It's very simple. I believe that's what the Lord's saying to us today.
And as I said, we'll talk some more about that next week, but it's very simple. Lord, I either haven't been praying enough or my prayers have been weak. I've either been in your word, not at all, or I've been in it because that's what I need to do each day. But Lord, I want you to go, let's just stand. Let's just say this out loud. Can we pray a prayer together? Lord, I need you. I want you. Lord, I want a fire to burn in me again. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't just want to be a bed of coals. I want to be a flame. And Lord, thank you for reminding me that this is for the sake of my own salvation, but also this is how the world sees you through me. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. And right now, I'm releasing yesterday, even this very morning, is gone. It's burned on the altar. I'm a flame for you right here, right now. This is a new day. I'm committing to stay red hot for you. Help me just as you promise through the power of the Holy Spirit and only by his power. Can I do this anyway? Stay close to me and I'll stay close to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.